Hi everyone, welcome to Narcissism Recovery Podcast. My name is Yitz Epstein, I am your host, I'm a Narcissistic Abuse Life Coach, and today I'll be discussing the altruistic narcissist. So this is an episode about some of what I believe are the most dangerous perpetrators that exist on the planet. The damage they do is incalculable and a very, very insidious, difficult to detect. So this podcast, I'm going to discuss uh, what is the altruistic narcissist and how they get away with what they uh, do and some of the signs of an altruistic narcissist. So to begin, I'm going to quote from an article, Beware the Altruistic Narcissist, Accept My Health or else. This is an article by psychotherapist Jay Reed. Uh, he describes how the altruistic narcissist views themselves as a supreme caregiver. They base their inflated self-concept on the supposed ability to give and be of service to other people. Uh, however, they then expect others to react to them as though they are the caring, generous people that they seem to be like. However, narcissistic altruism is about exerting control and maintaining it by fostering dependence in the beneficiaries. The altruistic narcissist flaunts his charitable nature as bait. He impresses others with his kindness. He then manipulates them into thinking that they need him. Altruistic narcissists wear a cloak of kindness, and this confuses their victims. Such narcissists go way out of their way to curate an image of a selfless caregiver. This image is obviously insincere. It is there to combat an inner sense of worthlessness rather than to genuinely care about and protect other people. So Jay goes on to describe that, parenthood can seem very appealing to the altruistic narcissist. Essentially, they get to demonstrate their supposed superior caregiving abilities to a child whom they may assume will be nothing but appreciative. Obviously, children are extremely dependent on the parent, and the parent believes that by just simply being there for the child, the child will be endlessly dependent and ultimately uh, constantly in need of giving gratitude. So he describes how it's a rude awakening when the child comes into this world as a bundle of joy and they ultimately have needs. Children, by design, require an adult who is ready to give a lot more than they receive from the child. And obviously, this is not what a uh, selfish, narcissistic, altruistic narcissist will get. The altruistic narcissist is able to maintain their fragile self-esteem as long as their grandiose sense of self and entitlement to others' reflection of that self goes uninterrupted. So their primary occupation in life is to keep thinking this way about themselves. Uh, essentially, they're utterly incapable of lasting and sincere loving feelings towards another person. Now, as appealing as parenthood may have seemed in the beginning before they realize that the child actually has needs, the reality of a child looking up to them with the expectation of their needs being met with genuine love and affection can actually feel incredibly bad to this type of parent. The altruistic narcissist is faced with the fact that she does not really want to provide for their child. Essentially, their identity as a nurturer is a sham, and their inability to feel love for their child proves it. If the narcissistic, altruistic parent admits this to themselves, then their essentially inflated self-concept crumbles, and they are left with the dreaded feelings of shame and worthlessness that are actually laying dormant underneath. So Jay goes on to describe that on top of the unflattering realization of the parent's lack of genuine care for others, parenthood poses constant interruptions to the antidotal grandiosity and entitlement. Such interruptions, these gaps, these essentially these identifications or reflections back to the parent that they are not in fact altruistic lead to the parent feeling their dreaded worthlessness. So a child's rightful and persistent needs for care, uh, feeding, attention, and love are about the child, obviously, and not about the parent. For most parents, that is not an issue. However, for the altruistic narcissistic parent, the volume and the intensity of the child's needs require them to interpret the focus on themselves. So unless the parent can feel appreciated by the baby or others, 
are witnessing how well they are parenting, the narcissistic parent will see little motivation to offer care. They're not going to be interested because ultimately they're not going to get their narcissistic supply. Doing so does not reinforce the sense of self, the inflated sense of self by the primary caregiver who is narcissistic because they cannot get from the child what they want. They cannot get the child to comply. So some people who are raised by narcissistic parents have a feeling that in order to receive care from another person, they have to find a way to make the other person interested in that care. That is, they can expect care so long as it benefits the other person somehow. Uh, in essence, they may feel a mandate to show immense gratitude or flattery to an act of kindness that is done towards them. So in this instance, therapy often allows this individual who's been wounded by an altruistic narcissistic parent uh, to see this pattern as a reflection of the of their ability to adapt to and survive a very awful and one-sided childhood relationship. So the altruistic narcissist must hide their selfishness at all costs. They cannot come in contact with that selfishness. So all the narcissist's efforts are essentially to prop themselves up uh, and essentially to stave off the core feelings of shame and worthlessness. Now the core of the altruistic narcissist's propping up involves the persona as a selfless provider to others. However, the strategies of inflating their sense of importance and expecting others to comply are inherently self-absorbed aims. The altruistic narcissist must fiercely deny the fact because it can unravel what is staving off the worthlessness. The own self-absorption gets denied by unconsciously relocating this quality in others and reacting to them as though they are the selfish ones. Essentially, they project their own selfishness onto other people, and that's uh, essentially how they avoid their own self-reflection and identifying within the selfishness and the worthlessness that they feel. So this relocation uh, is best done in relationships where the narcissist has more authority, has more power, has more leverage. So the child of a narcissistic, uh, an altruistic narcissist often is an extremely convenient target. The child's existence and expectation for love reminds the narcissistic parent of how little she can care about anyone but herself. So in order to combat this reminder, obviously the parent will work to see the child as defective to excuse their inability to love them. So part of this accused defectiveness may include perceiving and reacting to the child as though the child is the selfish one. When a child is told by the parent that asking for, let's say, a piece of candy means that all he or she cares about is themselves and that they are selfish, in essence, the child believes her, so they, they, it takes on that that uh, that projection. They introject that projection, and ultimately, they uh, start to believe that they are selfish because that because of the needs that they have. The narcissistic, selfish, and altruistic mother in this case, or or father in this case, can more readily claim that they are selfless and altruistic but have gotten the terrible luck of giving birth to the world's most selfish child. Uh, quite a ruse, but not uncommon in households with a narcissistic parent. So if you've been raised by a narcissistic parent, a selfish uh, and sort of having that facade of altruism, and you feel incredibly selfish for having needs, this is certainly a symptom. And ultimately, whenever you want to express your needs or whenever you feel uh, like putting yourself first, there's going to be this guilt and shame. That's very much a sign that you were raised by a selfish, narcissistic, altruistic parent who likes to see themselves as above it all, uh, always giving and never appreciated by their uh, self essentially selfish children. So uh, Jay goes on to discuss four signs of an altruistic narcissist. Uh, he says the first one is very low patience. He says that when an altruistic narcissist gives something to another, they are doing it solely to get a reflection of their grandiose, caring self. If the other person requires more than a quick, symbolic gesture, the narcissist may quickly grow impatient and show frustration with the recipient. Essentially, they're not getting the narcissist's supply. They're not getting what they essentially are giving for to get that to get that reflection back that they're uh, selfless, and ultimately they lose patience, and in essence, they may stop giving. 
uh, constantly expecting gratitude. An altruistic narcissist not only expects to have to expend very little effort to help someone else, but they also require shows of gratitude. So that's the second symptom. Uh, the third one is they like to enforce rules. Rules are a means to an end for the altruistic narcissist. They find ways to be on the side of the enforcing rules and take satisfaction in catching and punishing the rule breakers. It gives them the opportunity to see someone else as worthless and deserving punishment. And as discussed above, seeing others as worthless offers an antidote relief from their own sense of worthlessness. This is the third symptom. The fourth one is they take on quote-unquote lost cause friends and partners. A lot of times, the altruistic narcissist will presume to know what is best for a friend or a partner better than the person does. The narcissist will then target this person as the quote-unquote defective one who needs the narcissist to fix him or her. Uh, they may talk about this person as though they are a lost cause and just can't seem to make the right choices. They may grow frustrated and angry when this person for not following the advice and the prescriptions that they give. They see such people as having a deficit, and this helps the narcissist, again, relocate their own sense of worthlessness. Altruistic narcissists will usually look for ways to be extremely influential in positions of societal power. Uh, they're always on the forefront of catastrophes, public outcries. They're incessantly trying to uh, do incredibly good things uh, for no other reason but to help others. They want to have this image. They want to really reinforce this image of being a selfless person in society, and this is for several different reasons I'm going to go into shortly. Uh, they're usually leaders for forces of good, are usually quite vocal and extremely charismatic, and as a result, very influential. So there's sort of a secondary gain for the altruistic narcissist that they get by having this sort of false self that everyone admires for how selfless and altruistic they are. Some of those include managing their reputation, so ultimately they're able to control the way others perceive them, uh, they're able to give into their addiction of people-pleasing, uh, controlling others, uh, exploiting the helpless and the needy to garner attention, admiration, being worshipped for their selflessness, uh, always feeling needed and therefore having value, otherwise they'll feel like they have no value and feel worthless. It feeds the narcissistic savior complex. A lot of narcissists have this idea that they want to be a savior for other people. Ultimately, they take people who are helpless and really are in need of assistance, and they kind of exploit that. And the final one is the obsession with having a purpose. Many people are sort of escaping reality by needing a purpose. So by having value in this world or being someone who is constantly trying to save others or protect the planet or protect people, uh, an altruistic narcissist, they will actually create this false self to fuel, to get fuel from other people in the form of essentially attention. And like I mentioned, all these, all these uh, secondary gains. So personally, I believe that people are not and cannot be entirely altruistic. And I actually believe that this is healthy. I don't believe it's healthy to be entirely altruistic. While we may do things that appear to be altruistic and at times we in fact can act altruistically, deep down there's always some sort of secondary gain. And I don't, like I said, I don't think this is a bad thing. Even when we do good for others, we feel good about it ourselves. At the core of it, nobody is entirely altruistic. Again, that's my opinion. That's the way I see it. Selflessness with no personal gain is usually self-annihilation and is actually an escape from facing one's inner world. So no one, like I said, is purely selfless. And when someone claims to be such, it's usually because uh, any form of selfishness or self-awareness or self-reflection will trigger the incredible deep shame and guilt that they have within. And I believe that these individuals are some of the most dangerous that exist as they use the bait and switch of giving, compassionate deeds, philanthropy, kind words, and a facade of total altruism to really hide deep hate, shame, uh, a deep sense of self-loathing. And ultimately, that actually can be very harmful for people who are coming to them who are in need and in fact need their assistance yet being exploited in the process. So I hope this podcast brought some clarity onto, like I mentioned, some of the most dangerous 
most insidious and difficult people to detect as being narcissists, the altruistic narcissist. If you have been victimized by this type of person, you will uh, be very confused and ultimately feel extremely betrayed. If this is the case for you, healing is most definitely necessary to restore your faith, your trust in yourself and people, and to develop a healthier relationship pattern with yourself and other people so you can assure that you don't align with negative vibrational people like narcissists, specifically the altruistic narcissist. If this is a struggle for you, please reach out and allow me to assist you on your healing journey. I offer a free 15-minute consultation. My email is yitzyitz at psychologicalhealingcenter.com. You can reach me by phone, 252-696-4852. I want to thank you so very much for joining me for today's episode. It's such an honor to bring you this information today. And until next time, all the very best. Oh, 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 o